well, guess what, you guys? This is the last episode of season one. Oh my God. I can't believe time has really just flown by, which is interesting because um, most of this has been done in quarantine. So as we are coming out of the quarantine, but still social distancing, I don't know, it, it, uh, it, it definitely feels too soon um, for me someone with a kid I I don't know how much I'm going to be socializing to be quite honest I'm still kind of um I am still a little uh leery of this being the right time to open up or to begin to open up only time will tell so far it's not looking good though it's not looking good Um, so that will be, uh, really interesting to see how this pans out. But you guys, this is the last episode. This is it. (sighs) Ah, I feel like I can take a huge sigh of relief. Um, and also pat myself on the back because, you know, I'm very proud of myself. You know, last year, this was just a dream, a glimmer in the mind. And now it's been brought to fruition. And I'm so happy that you guys have uh, been on this journey with me. And I hope you've been really enjoying these episodes. I've definitely enjoyed doing them. And this one in particular, I incredibly, incredibly enjoyed. And also was so, so nervous. <laughs> Stevie Bobby, she is an all-around badass. She is a queer woman. She has been homeless. She is disabled. She is what we are going to talk about in addition to the disability is she is an educator. And I met her years ago. And to see the evolution of her and just using her platform to really spread information. I just, I really admire it. I think she's a badass. I mean, that's all I can really say about the chick. So um, just know when I was doing this interview, I was really, really nervous out of all the people I interviewed. Like, I don't know why I was so nervous. But then I heard it back and I was like, oh, I guess I was, I did pretty good. Okay. I was okay. Sorry. You were, you were, you were okay. You were okay. You did it. So yeah, I I patted myself on the back again. You've noticed a trend of me patting myself on the back a lot. Because I mean, who else is going to do it? Like, hello, we got to, you know, give ourselves the kudos whenever possible. Anyway, so it's interesting because I put the podcast on a pause for a week. I did not intend for uh, this particular interview to premiere in uh, Pride Month. So I just feel like, I don't know, it just feels it it feels a little kismet that this is that I'm releasing this episode right now. And uh, obviously, very, very relevant. Um, So for this episode, there are a lot of curse words, a lot of F-bombs dropped, and a lot of discussion about sex in sexual terms. So keep that in mind, especially if you have little kids, you might want to pop in some headphones and listen to this episode. All right. I really hope that you guys enjoy this episode with YouTuber, friend, all-around badass, Stevie Bobby. Recording. All right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That totally forgot to do that. Um, Okay. So, uh... 
let's start at the beginning. So you are, now that you think of it, you're the only lesbian sex educator, you think, in your group at this point, and the only polyamorous friend. Yeah, I'm, I'm also probably one of the only disabled friend, like, people in my friend group. Most of my disabled friends don't live in LA. They live in, like, other places, so they'll come and visit me. So I have disabled friends. Um, but yeah, I'm one of the only, like, I mean, I guess, I guess I do have, like, friends that are um, disabled in different ways than me, but not... Right. One of my only disabled <laughs> people. Well, I want to. I definitely want to get to that. Yeah. Um. But I wanna. Okay. I wanna remind you of how we met. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Stevie, um, you needed a token white girl for your <laughs> sketch. Yes. I <laughs> didn't. Somebody else cancel. <laughs> I. I don't remember, and I don't even remember how we even made the how you even made the initial connection with our. I think sketch it was group. through Adam. Was Do you remember Adam? Adam? It might... Or Jason. Jason, maybe. Yeah, maybe it was Jason. So funny. But, um, yeah, so we we at the time had a had a sketch comedy. Wait, is that video page. still online? It's still online. Oh, my God. Oh, Can you online. please send me a link? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's like if PETA online. was a gang, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't wait to see it. I'm Stevie so was one of our gang members for our PETA group. It's a very funny sketch. Um, but that's how we met. And, oh, and you know what? Also, I remember, like, what was it, a year after that? You reached out to me and Tiffany, who was also in the group, about you were doing, like, a prank. Oh, that failed so miserably. (laughs) I really wanted it to work out. It just didn't. What happened? It just, like, I don't know. Pranks are hard. Like, a lot of people that have prank channels, they fake a lot of it, right? And so I didn't want to fake any of it. I wanted it to be legit. And it just, like, I didn't get enough content. Like, content. Right. Also, like, you know, when you have... I was trying to make everyone be a woman that was involved. And so when you have a woman that's holding a camera in a mall, you draw a lot more attention than if you're just, like, some dude in the background, I think. Oh, I didn't think of that. But yeah, so we kept getting point. kicked out of stuff. It was, like... It was hell. Ugh. It was, like, so much work. So I was, like, well, I still... Like, I think I filmed, like, for, like, six days. And, like, didn't do anything, any of my other work. Like, my house was a wreck. Like, I was, like, I'm only going to do this. And then I just didn't, I didn't even get one video out of it. And so I was, like, nope, I'm done. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that day we spent, we were at Century City, the Westfield Mall, Mm -hmm. trying to, trying to, like, eat mayonnaise and, like, spray Windex in your mouth or whatever. (laughs) It was fun, though. I had fun doing it. It was. It was fun. It was terrifying for me. But it was fun. (laughs) I was game for it. (laughs) that's so funny Uh, okay so i want to talk about the evolution of your youtube page because a lot of people don't know like we were talking before we started the interview that you your page was originally a tech page well when i first started posting youtube videos it was like more like comedy and i would make like sex jokes and stuff like that um they're all privated now because they're all offensive um but I then I started doing tech videos because that's what I could find to make me money. So, yeah, and that's when we met. And then now I don't know. And I also I always was like drawn to sex ed and like wanted to talk about. And I I don't I think when we met, I just came out online. So I wasn't even out for most of my YouTube career as a tech person. And then I know during that time, a, a, a larger part of your audience was young 
men. Yeah. Well, I don't know how young, but it was 97% male. That was my demographic. LOL. (laughs) Um, And then I came out and like a year later had slowly flipped. So then it's like 97% female is what it says. It's so crazy. And then what brought on the switch of deciding, okay, now I think I want to focus on sexual, not only sexual education, but lesbian sexual education? Yeah, so I um, so I came out and I still was like, I'm just going to keep doing tech. And then I happened to be a lesbian. Um, and then I started like getting um, like a young queer girl audience. Um, and people started asking me questions about sex and stuff. Because they can't, it's not like they can ask their family member, you know, like they're not out. Right. And a lot of, like a lot of marginalized groups and identities, it runs in the family, right? Like a lot of disabilities run in the family. Race runs in the family, right? So, um, but like being queer is not really one of them. So it's, you can't, you don't have like a gay aunt most of the time that you can ask. So I was like, no big deal. You want to know how to finger a girl? I'll just find some resources. (laughs) Let me, let me just look up some lesbian sex ed online and just like send it to you and like you know i'll i'll like amplify someone else's voice because i'm not a sex educator and then was there a lot when i couldn't find search? anything wow. i found nothing anywhere i think i found like two auto straddle articles at the time and one was like how do you eat pussy and the other one was like how to have strap on sex and like that was it that's all i could find online um and i was like well shit i guess if no one else is gonna do it i might as well and then obviously I'm made to be a sex educator. Like this is this is like everything I've ever wanted to do and it's so fun and so rewarding and I love it. Well, you know, when I look at the videos, like I, I took a look. I, I I looked and then I was like, I can't stop watching these videos. <laughs> Yay! And here's the thing that I love about it the most. Obviously, your audience is aimed towards queer women mm-hmm. who don't have a lot of education mm-hmm. in terms of sex and they're they're very curious and they don't have a lot of people like you said to ask they don't have that gay aunt but what i really like about your stuff is that i am a quote-unquote straight woman i'm married there was some shit on there that i was like oh i didn't know that i need to try i need to like there's a name for that that would i like okay like i it is it's you are truly I know this is not the first time we've heard this you are truly doing a service thank you so much to not only that community but really every community because when I watched your videos I really saw um I think there's a huge need for that online and for people to really be open and honest and also you really open the door of like you know, someone might not be gay, but they might be curious about what is that sexual experience like. And I love the fact that you open up that dialogue and you make it so easily accessible because we just need more of that. So thank you for thank that. Thank you so much. What a fucking compliment. <laughs> wow, that was the, the best monologue I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna get into a few of the videos that I saw. Okay, I started at your how to lesbian sex 101 because i was like okay i'm gonna start at the beginning and i'm gonna say the first thing that i love about it is and i think throughout your videos there's a string of you really try to empower people by really enforcing consent Mm -hmm. and i think that there might be and you can tell me from your experience if you agree but i feel like there might be a gap between how men experience consent and women experience consent but also when you are having 
sex with another female, the experience of consent between the two females. Because I feel like from my experience and the way I was raised that consent was not something discussed in the conversation at all. It was like, don't do it. Don't get yourself in a situation. Otherwise you're screwed. Mm. So I'm wondering if you can, if, if from your experience is the reason why you, you bring it up a lot. Is it something that you've had to deal with a lot personally? Or do you feel that in talking to other women in your community that that is something that tends to come up because they are just uneducated on how, how it should work? Yeah, um, there are so many reasons I talk about consent. One of them is that, yeah, like the, the fucking world is not a consensual one right now, yeah. right? Like con- the word consent wasn't even in, the, in our language until pretty recently. And I think it's one of the most important things to know because not only to avoid people being harmed and hurt and having things happen against their will, but also because it empowers you, right? Like especially, so there's this um, thing called lesbian sheepitude. <laughs> lesbian sheepitude. Yes. Okay, what is I this? love it so much. <laughs> um, so how, she- <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. How sheep's mate okay. is the female stands really, really still. So the joke is it must suck for lesbian sheep. So lesbian sheepitude, <laughs> lesbian sheepitude is when um, women don't know how to approach each other because they've been taught their whole lives that they're the ones to be pursued. Exactly. And because everybody assumes that you're straight growing up, right? right. And they never, you know, say like, it's a give and take and, and whatever. And they're like, you know, they usually like don't empower women to even, even if they are straight to pursue men themselves, right? Or if they do, they're like begging it or they're too aggressive or whatever. So I think that if you, because of lesbian sheep, if you are empowered with consent and are taught how to ask for consent, um, it makes it to where you can avoid that, that shyness and actually get laid. Yeah, I, it's funny bringing that up because lesbian sheepitude, because I, in my mind, I'm imagining your first encounter is probably like, I don't know, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want? <laughs> like, it's just very, I mean, between two women, I feel like, like you, you're right, we are kind of trained in this world to be submissive in that sense of like, oh, they're going to come to us. And mm-hmm. so I love this idea of like you making sure that every step of the way, do you like what I'm doing? Do you want me to do you want more? Do you want less? Is it OK? Is it a yes? Is it a no? Be clear, be open, be honest. Um, so, yeah, I noticed that the thread throughout all your videos and I really appreciated that. Your first experience, um, because going to your video about your coming out story, you said that you met, you were 19, I think Mm -hmm. you said? Okay. And you met a girl, but you thought it was a guy. Mm -hmm. And you were in class? Mm -hmm. Okay. I was, because when I was listening to it, I was like, okay, how did she, where was this person sitting, first of all, for you not to know they were a girl. And did you ever not talk to them? No, we never talked face to face. But the first time that we did, um, she was like, by the way, I have something to tell you. I'm a girl. Um, and I was like, cool, cool, cool. No big deal. That's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, they sat behind me okay. the whole time. And so we would like pass notes back and forth. Okay. So you never Because I was shy. I was so like new to college and I was like finally an adult and whatever. And I was like, like not looking or whatever. And we would like pass notes. When she was like, I'm a girl, I was like, fuck. 
oh no. Because I was like, well, I have a crush on her. And then I think I, I might have asked her if she had a crush on me. And she was like, yes. And I was like, well, I'm never going to enjoy sex because I'm so straight. Right. <clears throat> so at what point did you realize that you were attracted to her? Um, I don't know. I think, I think for me, a lot of my attraction isn't immediate and is not like love at first sight. It's not like um, really motivated by sexual attraction at first um usually it's a lot of like intellectual stimulation inside jokes that type of like intimacy like romantic intimacy so um, that makes me attracted to someone so you guys passing the notes back and forth allowed that to happen and then when she revealed oh by the way i'm actually a girl then you were already right you were Mm -hmm. already you were already interested Mm -hmm. so that just kind of was just like oh now now i'm attracted to a woman and then you were like cool Well, I didn't realize I was attracted to her yet. I was like, oh, I'm just romantically attracted. Okay. And I was like, but there's no way I'll be sexually attracted. Oh, okay. And then we fucked. And obviously I was like, the next day I came out. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) what the fuck have I been missing this whole time? (laughs) Like that she didn't waste any time. No, I was like, wow, this literally answers everything. (laughs) (laughs) Was she more, uh, did she have more sexual experience than you? Yes. Okay. So yeah. she was out already. Oh yeah. She okay. had had a she had like two girlfriends before me. Okay. Yeah. So she was your teacher in that sense, and kind of yeah. like was like, oh wow, that opened up a whole new world to you. Yeah, I remember the first time she fingered me and like stimulated my G spot, which is so funny because I had like had so many boyfriends and I had like had sex with like a lot of guys for a nineteen year old. No one had ever touched my G spot. What the fuck? And I remember like it happening and me like sitting straight up in bed, like, what the fuck are you doing right now? It was so dramatic. <laughs> You're like, like, what is happening? Because it was so mind blowing. Fast forward, I'm like making a video teaching all, all of the teenagers how to stimulate a G spot using a vagina and a balloon that's like wrapped over the fucking <laughs> jar. Is why I love it. <laughs> I, oh am, I mean, how else are you going to do it? I was in my mind trying to think, well, how else are you going to see the fingers if. Yeah. It has to be. You have to do it in a jar. You guys have to go to the video to watch it because it is, um, I learned a lot about myself and perhaps some things I might teach my husband. Um, yes. Very good. I love it. But there's so there's many still things to learn. There's so many people in the comments like, I'm a straight girl. Can't wait to teach this to my boyfriend. Like in that, that video specifically, there's a lot of straight <laughs> girls commenting and I'm like, yes, I love this. Spread the, spread the wealth, spread the I, knowledge. I wish that you were around when I was first starting to have sex because a lot of young boys need a couple of those lessons on, you know, it just, it's so interesting because I feel like a lot of young people are just really winging it. And you also discuss it in another video about um, fisting. Mm-hmm where there's this idea of like, oh, whatever happens in a porn, like, then that's what we should be doing. Or if it's not done in a porn, then we shouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. And just myself having a lot of encounters where people have tried stuff from porns on me, it's kind of like, awkward. Oh, yeah, it's very awkward. So yeah, I feel like a lot of young people need this information out there and people also sometimes they'll tell me like well why do you why do you include like showing sex acts and how to do it in your videos how else are you gonna learn because people will look up porn if i don't yeah right like 
I should I should be able to make things that are that are not X rated that actually show practical things that you can do. You know what I mean? And without people being like, that's like too taboo or whatever. Right. And I don't think that it's crude or anything the way you do it. I yeah. think it's just it's information like this is what sex ed should be. I think at this point, at this stage in the game, in this world. I need to hang out with you more often. All these compliments. <laughs> I don't know if my head's going to fit out that door when I leave. <laughs> okay. Uh, the uh, video, How to Eat Pussy, which has 4 million views. Nice. Oh, I didn't even know that. A lot of people. That's over awesome. 4 million. Yeah. A lot of people want to know how to do that. That's great. I love it. <laughs> I love your phrase that pussy eating is an art. It is. I don't think I've ever said pussy as much as I'm probably going to say it right now. I love it. (laughs) Um, Why do you think it's an art? Why do I think it's an art? Um, I think art is something that um, you do for yourself and others and specifically to make others feel something. So that's why I think pussy eating is an art because everyone has a different way that they want to do it. Everybody has a different way that they want to receive it. Just like art, just like paintings, right? Like some people like fucking abstract shit. Some people like whatever. I don't know anything about art. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's why I think it's I learned quite a few new things yeah? in that video. What's cool about that video, I really, really like that, I don't know, like, I think I say this in the video, that, like, female pleasure has not been a, been something that we have studied that much, right? Yeah. Like, every fucking Cosmo article when we were teenagers was coming out, like, how to suck a dick. Yeah. How to fucking how to finger his asshole. Man. Like, yeah. literally everything. But it was, we never really studied female pleasure until pretty recently, so. And it was like, hush, hush, no, no, you can't, don't even say the word pussy. Don't even say the word vagina or vulva. Like, how dare you? And so we don't have words to communicate to each other the types of pleasure that we, that, you know what I mean? So that's why I love that video is because I found OMGS who does, who actually studies like thousands of women and asks them different tactics and then gives them names so that you can communicate them to, to each other. And that helps with consent too. Yeah, it's like, it totally hi, I want does. some pulsing right now. or I want some edging right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the layering. Yeah. In that video, I was like, oh. I am a big fan of layering. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, now you have a word that you can have a word for it. And that's yeah. so awesome. All these years, I didn't have a word for it. And I'm like, okay, now that's, that is something that I enjoy. Um, for those, I mean, I'm just going to tell you, go watch the video. But uh, do you want to explain layering? Um, layering is the one where you have, you do it with clothes on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you just like kind of like tease around it and like pretend like you're kind of doing it with clothes still on which is the best it's like i think layering is like edging light yeah you know so i like if you were to match those two together yeah especially someone that likes to be teased a lot of people do fucking not like to be teased by the way really i know they're missing out so much yeah i like to be teased. some people are like don't you fucking dare do that (laughs) yeah Mm -mm. (laughs) yeah i learned about layering and Hinting and orbiting. I think those were my top personal favorites. So I appreciate that there is now a word for those. Yeah. Also, another quote I loved is that you're allowed to ask for your own pleasure. And I don't think enough women, young and old, are aware of that. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I kind of feel like can't be said enough. How often do you feel like 
you have to remind people either in your videos or even in talking to your friends of that. So fucking much. Specifically with straight women, though. Like, anytime I'm not at a gay bar, I I like to just, like, talk to women and ask them about their sex lives. And not once have I ever talked to a straight girl that hadn't faked an orgasm. And I, my question, follow-up question, because I want them to fucking think about it for weeks is my intention, that I ask them after I say that, I say, um, why do you think that your partner's ego is more important than your own pleasure? Ooh. Because it's not, you know? Like, the person, if, if someone can't make you come, that's not your fault, and they should be able to take that blow to their ego. Because, and also you might be pleasantly surprised if you say, no, I couldn't come this time, but next time maybe we can try, or maybe you could try this differently. You know, they might be like, awesome. Or they might respond in a way that's not negative. I think a lot of straight women I talk to, I'm like, why do you do it? And they're like, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to make them angry. I don't want, I I wanted it to stop. I didn't want it to keep going. And I'm like, you could have all of those things. (laughs) Also, you can test to see if the person you're fucking is a piece of trash or not by, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. If someone doesn't want to, if you're already in bed with someone and they are not willing to give you that pleasure or even take note of the type of pleasure that you like, then you kind of have to question why you're in bed with them. Yeah. And also like sex doesn't equal orgasms, you know, you don't have to have orgasms, right? you know, but like, we're just taught that the crescendo of sex is like the the penis is coming and that's the end of it. And you better come before that that happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's so weird. <laughs> like you can have you can have so many wonderful, delicious, sexy things. You can do so many sexy things without orgasms even ha- coming into the equation. And lots of people can't come. And that's totally fine. Lots of people can only come sometimes, you know, and I don't know. I'm what I'm thinking is like, there are so many straight women that are training men to be bad at sex because you're faking orgasms all the time. Oh, you know, that is so true. I like, oh, well, I did this weird thing before with my ex-boyfriend or with my ex-girlfriend. So you'll like it too. And then it's creating all these fake orgasms. Yeah. No, you're right. We're involved. We are involved in the bet, in the training Mm -hmm. of it. And it's also, you know, it, it also goes to the fact that sex is a mutual responsibility. Because if, like you said, you get what you ask for. And if you don't ask for it, you don't get it mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So, yeah, I trained a, I probably trained a lot, a lot of like shitty dudes in my days. <laughs> Call them up, be like, hey, I faked it the whole time. <laughs> hey, sorry. Just so you know. <laughs> Married hey, now, but like... that thing you did, yeah, it didn't work out for me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, what... What? One um, of my newest, my, one of my next videos I'm about to make is called How to Fake an Orgasm, where I'm going to say, don't. <laughs> the whole time. Just go the whole time. Don't. And do these it. are the reasons why. Okay. No, I mean, that's a, that's a good lesson of like, you're just teaching dudes to think that what they're doing and to think that it's good. Mm-hmm. And they're going to keep on thinking it. And then when the one woman does say to them, yeah, I didn't really like that, then it's going to be that much harder for them to take. Yeah. And also it's so interesting because a lot of them, when I ask like why, they say, um, well, because I want him to feel good. And it's like, his, his dick is already feeling good, I promise. Like, you don't, <laughs> you don't have to add more on top of it. <laughs> He's good. 
<laughs> He's good. You're not. Not only do I have to give him an orgasm, I also have to make him think he made me orgasm. Yeah. It's going to doubling all the pleasure for the man on top. Yeah, of that's a lot other. of work. That's a lot of work from one woman and no work for him. Um, okay, so I want to talk about your Patreon. Cool. So I went on there and you provide, and besides, I know the YouTube demonetizing, but this is not only a way allowing you to continue to create this great content. Yeah. And so it really pays for your, uh, for the resources that you need, the lighting, the people, all the work that goes behind these videos. Because if you watch our videos, there is a lot of work behind these videos. I mean, we just talked about the jar with the props. <laughs> the props. There are a lot of props in these videos. So talk a little bit about that. I wanna I wanna know um how has it been using Patreon? Um, how has it been engaging with some of these fans of yours on Patreon? Yeah. Um do you have any super fans? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love Patreon because it kind of is like, well, first of all, because they are so amazing and they literally make making these videos possible for me. Um, but also because they're kind of like a, a subset of people that are so fucking down to support these videos and they're so into this content that I can like, t like ask them questions about stuff, you know? And then I, instead of having a lot of people that maybe still care a little bit or like whatever, giving me like all these questions, I can ask like my serious fan base that like supports it so much, like what they want, which is really cool. So it's kind of like separated them into, into a different category. And then like, because, you know, I post often on Patreon, I get to like recognize their faces and names. And um, like if I send them boxes, they'll like send me photos of it, which is so fucking cool. Um, yeah, I love, I love Patreon. Yeah, now here's my question, because I noticed like, I think it was the fisting video. There was like an interview from a, a woman in that video and she was talking about her experience and I was wondering, oh, is that someone from perhaps your Patreon community or was that just someone who's just a fan? Oh, like the, um, the Skype call? Yeah. The Skype That's call. my friend, Jaminika. She's a okay. sexual trauma expert. Oh, so okay. she does. She's like a sex educator too. Gotcha. So yeah. But I feel like it's just a really great way for people to really get to know you on a more personal level. So you guys check that out. Check out her Patreon. We're going to put all this in the show notes. I'm going to have you also at the end list all of this stuff. Yeah. So people can know where to find all your stuff. You should listen to Jimonika's podcast, by the way. Oh, it's, what's the name of the podcast? It's called Trauma Queen. Oh, okay. It's so good. Okay. Now I'm listening. I'm, I'm there. <laughs> um, I want to go back to the beginning of before you came out, before you started doing YouTube, when I was watching your video about your coming out story you mentioned a lot about growing up like in as a christian and growing up in a very religious environment and so your idea of 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 your adult life was i'm gonna get married and i'm gonna have kids and that's that how does your family react to not only what you're doing now but also your general lifestyle not only as being a queer woman who is also educating other women, but also as uh, someone who is really speaking for a disabled community as well. And I want to get more into that too. But I think I, I want to know more about this because there are a lot of people 
a lot of young queer people who grow up in those environments and they don't have the support that they need. And I know from experience of some of my friends, sometimes those people come around, sometimes they don't. I still have people in my family that I know for sure are still in the closet because of religious reasons. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm wondering from that perspective, how does it affect you and your family? If you can talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, this question sucks for me because a lot of people ask me like, how can I come out to my parents that are, um, that are religious or how, how can I, how can I mend this relationship with my parents? And I'm basically an orphan. So I never really struggled with that. Like my dad died when I was 10 and my mom was abusive and an addict. And so I went into foster care when I was 15. So, um, yeah, like she's recently become sober over the past year. So we like kind of started talking, but she doesn't really feel like my mom. She feels like this distant aunt that I never knew kind of thing. Um, so I really don't give a fuck what my family thinks. My grandma recently died. And so I went to, to her funeral and, um, I was interacting with my family and I have this tattoo of like, um, oh, fingers tattoo. going into a flower and they're like, Oh my God, this is so beautiful. And I'm like, yeah, it's about masturbation. Isn't it cool? And <laughs> just not even thinking about it. Cause I've not, I haven't right. thought about like being around family in like rural ass South and how they would feel about yeah. that. And they were just like, you know, and I was like, what the hell? And then my mom was there and my, my first cousin was like, yeah, what do you think about Stevie's videos? And she's like, oh, she's my daughter. I can't watch those. And I'm like, that makes no fucking sense. That literally, do you think I do porn? Do you not want to watch me get fucked? Because yeah, that's not what's that's happening not here. That's not what's happening. Um, so yeah, that was a little weird, but I was like, I literally don't give a shit. I don't know. I guess I like got over that so long so, ago. And I, I really sympathize with people that want to have a family and want to feel that love and acceptance from their family. Because that must be so hard. I just don't give, I don't want it. Like, I don't give a shit. And I think that makes it easier, but maybe for others, it, maybe for others, it feels really isolating and lonely. But fuck, that happened when I was a teenager. I was like, fuck this. And also, I didn't know I was gay till I was 19. So when I was like struggling with all this religious stuff with my family and like the abuse and all of that, I had no idea I was gay yet. So thankfully, honest, yeah. honestly, if I had that also, I'd be like, fucked. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I never really know how to answer that question. Okay, here's a question. Okay, so they're from the South. They grew up in the South. Their family's religious. Um they don't have any representatives of the queer community close to them, how would you suggest that they find their community? That's really hard, especially if you're underage. We really, really, really need more sober queer spaces, especially if you're in a place that doesn't have an, L an LGBT center or doesn't have like support groups and stuff that are queer. It really, really sucks because the only place that gays congregate is going to be like the club where everybody is getting wasted and whatever. You know what I mean? Which is not a safe environment. Yeah. But a lot of kids find themselves getting fake IDs to be able to feel like they're included in a space. And that's really dangerous for them. So that really concerns me. But I know that you can call any LGBT center anywhere and ask them for resources and ask them what to do. And they have been all trained to give you step-by-step step based on where you are, how to start a GSA at your school. They will literally call the principal and be like, you're not letting them do that. Do you know that's fucking illegal? You know, so they're- That is amazing. Yeah. So you can, or if you're getting bullied for being gay at school, like they, they, there's so many LGBT centers all over the nation. The LA LGBT center is who I work with closely. They're so amazing. And they'll help give you resources and teach you how to- 
Yeah, I think they like, they even go, they'll go in, if it's in LA, they'll go in to and like do a, a thing with the faculty and principals and be like, this is how you handle this. This is how you stop the bullying from happening. This is how you should be using the correct pronouns for this child. What the fuck? I love that. Yeah, it's really cool. I love that. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's also, I think, quickly covering the pronouns, um, just kind of covering that because I know a lot of parents, young parents who are dealing with that, who have kids that are um, transgender and are dealing with the whole pronoun thing. And I think it's great that if there's a community that can step in and really advocate for them mm-hmm. um, and give them the uh, give them the power or just empower them into explaining and also saying this is who they are like this is what happens this is how you respect them as a person by they are choosing to be called a she or a he or a they um and this is what you have to adhere to i'm in a a couple of mom groups and i know that there are quite a few women who have that issue with their families Mm. um not wanting to acknowledge that and I'm just glad I'm just really happy to hear that there are actually places that you know publicly because I can only imagine one step going to your family and having to deal with that but then also going to school and then people not respecting that part of you your part of your identity mm-hmm. um, so I think it's great that 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 the LGBT community has that as a part of the training to like really educate schools on that because I think that's I, I and you can tell me how you feel about this because now I feel like I'm just talking and I don't want to just be the only one talking. But like, <laughs> I feel like people think for some reason that this is a fad, and it's not. It's really it's, funny. It's people stepping into their power of who they are, and we have to be ready that there's going to be more of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been trans people for thousands of years, and we yeah. have documented. You know, it's the same thing with, I don't, God, this, I hope people don't get mad at me for comparing this, but like, um, people are like, what is all this increasing in autism in children? Like, why, 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 why are there so many more autistic children, you know, in the past 10 years or whatever? And it's like, we've just got better at diagnosing it and it is more acceptable. And you know, what the fuck? That's, that's why there's an increase according to you of trans kids and trans people, Um, is because it's becoming safer to live as a trans person. Yeah. No, that's a great analogy. And like access to information about it, you know? No, that's a great analogy. It's like, I remember growing up, like there were, I'm sure I knew tons of people that were autistic and they just were, for lack of a better word, back in the day, they were just called retarded. Yeah. You know, that was unfortunately the label you got because people were misdiagnosed, which now leads us into your personal disability because when I looked at that video also it really fucking pissed me off like Mm. how long it took you to get diagnosed at first Mm. I want to make sure that I'm saying them right (laughs) (laughs) they're so Uh, so so um you have EDS type 3 it's also called Ehlers-Danler syndrome Ehlers-Danlos. Yeah. Danlos. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's a hypermobility spectrum disorder. Yeah. So the so hypermobility spectrum disorder and EDS type 3 are different, okay. but they present themselves in like very similar ways. Um, 
but it's the only type of EDS that they haven't found the genetic marker for. So there's a ton of research being um, done on it to try to um, identify the gene so that you can take a genetic test and see if you have EDS and if that's what's causing your problems. Because a lot of people with EDS, they're like, oh, I have a heart thing and then I have a digestive thing and then I have a joint thing and then I have a brain thing and they are being treated for all these things when really it's all being caused by one thing. Mm. So, um, yeah. And then the second part of your diagnosis was POTS, which yeah. is, I'm going to fuck this up. <laughs> Postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is a mouthful. Yeah, so like 80 to 90% of people with EDS also have POTS, um, but POTS is really, really common. Lots of people have it that it's not caused by EDS. It's just you can have it by itself. It can be caused by other things. Um, It just means when you stand or sit up, your heart races really fast, and that's it. And then, okay, as far as the EDS, because I remember in the video you said you've had this since you were like four or five, you Mm -hmm. recall. What symptom did you have where you were like, I need to keep looking because it is not what they say it is? Yeah. So, well, I was told my whole life, like, no, that's a weird thing. Take a laxative or no, that's just growing pains or you're just complaining too much or you just want attention or whatever, like as a kid. But then or like that happens to me, too. Like it runs in our family. Like, shut the fuck up. No, it doesn't. Um, so you're not supposed to get out of the shower and pass out. That's not, that's not a thing that's just like happens to everybody and it's totally normal. Like, no. Um, and so all of that happened like my whole childhood. But, um, when I was 21, 20 or 21, um, I had like a severely traumatic incident happen. And afterwards I had so many really weird symptoms. I was sleeping 20 hours a day. Oh, wow. Um, I lost 35 pounds for no reason, even though I was like eating as much as I, I would like for the four hours I was awake, I would just be stuffing my face so hungry. And I just like kept losing weight. And I was like, what the hell? I think I'm going to die. Like I literally thought I was dying and I kept going into the emergency room and they were like, test me for Lyme disease 20 times. They're like, you don't have Lyme disease. So you're fine. Go home. It's probably depression. And they kept saying that because I just had a traumatic event, which happened to be coincidental. Um, So, yeah, that was when I was like, what the fuck? But I couldn't work. I was like, I could not afford. I did not have health insurance. I couldn't afford to go to a specialist. I couldn't afford to figure out what was wrong. But so then every couple of years I would be like, well, guess I'll sleep for three months and then go to the doctor. And like I would try to go to the doctor and they would do like $20,000 worth of like blood tests blood work and they'd be like well we don't know because all your when you have eds like a lot of times your blood work is like fine because it's literally in the tissues of your skin you know like it's not oh so it's not going to reveal itself in that manner no not at all they know all the blood tests they want and mm -hmm. nothing is gonna show Yeah, they're like oh your vitamin d is really low why don't you take some vitamin d that must be it what Um, Have you ever heard of anybody having all those symptoms just from vitamin D? Yeah. Okay. So then I like, I have this cat that I've had for a while. He just died recently, but it's fine. Um, I took him in. I saw him in the back of some of the videos. Yeah. So So I took him in for his like senior blood work to the vet and they were like, hey, so he needs this surgery. He has like, you know, these little polyps or whatever that we need to remove and the surgery is going to be $3,500. And I was like, to remove things that you think are not even a problem what the hell and so i was like before i fucking spend thirty five hundred dollars on my cat i should probably 
look into my health stuff because you know over time I just like learned to deal with it I'd like you know I was like okay if I'm gonna go to an event then I'm gonna be in bed bedridden for two weeks afterwards and I'll deal with it and it's all like a it's like gambling right so it's like okay if I want to go to Disney then I'm gonna like rent a scooter and then you know I'm gonna be fucking bedridden you know afterwards it's gonna be really painful and then I'll have to take all these meds you know whatever um and so then it's like uh, or like if I'm going out, then I'm going to make sure that there's a couch that I need to sit on or like whatever. I like learned to deal with the symptoms without figuring out what it was because I didn't think they would ever figure it out. And I started to believe them. I started to think that it was maybe depression. Maybe I'm depressed and I've never been sad in my life. Maybe I just have a weird strain of depression. Right. What the fuck? Um, and so so that was like when when it was like $3,500 for this cat surgery, I was like, God fucking. I guess I need to like literally put all of my energy into figuring out what the fuck this is. And so I started going to doctors and like, like demanding that they figure out what was wrong with me. And then they would always send me to psych and I'd go to psych and they'd be like, you should try this SSRI. And I'm like, I am not depressed. Please ask me some depression questions. Let's go. And you're like, I'm not depressed. I don't have anxiety. It's none of those things. I'm mentally fine. Yeah. And so then I found the disabled community on Twitter um, and I like made a friend who has EDS and I was like, fuck. <laughs> so I figured it out and my friends helped me figure out what I had before fucking doctors did. Um, so I had an HMO, okay. so they weren't able to, I wasn't able to just like go. They're like very strict about if they recommend right. you to specialists. Yes, I'm aware of that And so then particular friend, HMO and yeah, they're not friend, the, gra- the greatest. Oh, my friend was like, listen, this is what you have to do with doctors. You have to go in and remind them that they work for you. And I was like, fuck, they do work for me. Because I grew up so poor. I never, we never were allowed to go to the doctor. We weren't taught that healthcare is a right or something that you deserve. When also, it's I only think, for rich people. Yeah, exactly. And I think we also tend to think in terms of healthcare that, well, they know best. I mean, they're the doctor. They're the one that, that went to medical school. But really, at the end of the day, it's your body. Mm-hmm. And you know what your body is supposed to feel like and what it's not supposed to feel like. Mm-hmm. And then they have all these um, posters on doctor's office walls now that say like... Um, don't confuse your five-minute Googling for my 10-year medical degree. And it's like, don't fucking confuse 30 years of me living in this body for you Googling my fucking illness right in front of me. (laughs) Yeah. Like, do you know how many fucking doctors literally like, what is EDS? Like, what the fuck is going on? Um, Okay, so your friend on Twitter that was part of the disability community, Mm -hmm. she had EDS. And then what clicked for you in your brain? Like, oh shit, she has EDS. That's what I have. Like, what were the symptoms? I still don't think I have EDS. I've been (laughs) gaslit by the fucking medical community for so long. Like, I just got an echocardiogram and um, I got two new diagnoses on top of that bullshit. Um, And that's the first time I actually believed that I had it. Like, constantly my brain is like yeah but you're faking it yeah but you just want attention yeah but you're just depressed it's so fucking annoying to like be gaslit for eight years by the medical and i'm like i'm like a pretty pretty not believing other people's bullshit person and i'm still like yeah so i think i didn't even suspect it until until i went i went to this fucking asshole rheumatologist and he diagnosed me with um hyper with with double jointed which is not even a fucking medical term (laughs) and with fibromyalgia. 
And so I told, I like texted a couple friends with EDS, not knowing, not thinking that I had EDS. I was just like, it's something similar maybe or whatever. And I was like, oh my God, I just got diagnosed with double jointed and fibromyalgia. And they both go, oh, so EDS. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, that's what everyone that has EDS gets diagnosed with first. And then when they get diagnosed with that, they're sent to a geneticist. And I was like, oh, so then I went to my, to my primary doctor at this fucking HMO. And I was like, hey, send me to a geneticist. And she goes, well, nothing you have is genetic. How the fuck do you know that if you're not a fucking geneticist? What the fuck? Anyway, yeah, I had to threaten my doctor. I had to be like, I've asked you to see a geneticist three times. If you're going to refuse that, I want you to mark it in my record that that you you have refused refused it. And she didn't even respond. She just sent me the referral. Didn't even respond to that email. And then after, then I got diagnosed immediately with the geneticist. He was like, yeah, you fucking EDS. What? Um... And then she like was such a suck ass after that. Before that, she was like such, she was like sending me to psych being like, how are you feeling? What the fuck? And then one time, one time she was like, um, we can only, we can only talk about one symptom today. So which one do you want to talk about? Are you serious? I have like scroll of like symptoms so that you can try to figure out. So now you have to go back and make another appointment to discuss one symptom at a time. Ridiculous. That's crazy. And so then she was like so apologetic the whole time, like, oh, I was kind of like I was wrong. And it's like, yeah, you might fucking yeah. want to remember me when you're dealing with other people that are sick and need your help. It's so fucked up. Uh, well, I'm glad that you got the diagnosis. <laughs> I don't, uh, that's some crazy ass runaround. How has okay? How has it changed your life? I know everybody with a disability gets that question, but I think beca- I think it's important because. Um, you have a disability that is not visible Mm -hmm. and also people are under this idea that's like oh if you don't if you're not in a wheelchair 24 7 or you're not in crutches or if we don't see it then it's not there Mm -hmm. and it doesn't affect you like you said you got a lot of people saying you were doing it to get attention i mean i don't think someone is in pain 24 7 to get attention yeah so at this point now you have your diagnosis what has it been like for you since that time? Like what adjustments have you had to make in that? Are there any new um, treatments that you've had to take? Any new precautions that you've now that you're oh, get a fuller picture of what you're dealing with? How has it been? Yeah. So, so before I was having all this fucking weird before I got diagnosed, cause I've, it's a genetic thing. So I was born with it. So I've always had it. So I, I don't even know what it's like to not, be in pain, I guess. Um, I just thought everybody felt like this. I thought everybody was in this much pain all the time. What the fuck? So, but, but definitely getting diagnosed completely changed my life because it, it allows me to know what is normal and what is okay and what is not life-threatening and what is Mm. right. So once everything that's happening is able to be explained by something like, Oh, when you're passing out, it's totally fine. Unless you're passed out for more than 90 seconds. That that's when you need to check for stroke and, and aneurysms or whatever. Um, you know, like keep a heart monitor on. I don't have it right now. I forgot to get it. That's another thing. I have like cognitive issues, right? So not only does it allow me to figure out what's going on, figure out what's serious and what's not, it also helps me communicate to other people. Like, um, all of my friends and people and like business associates, whatever, they are, are now aware and not offended by certain things, right? Like if I don't remember this, this time, this great night that we had, or this great convention joke that we had, it's not a slight against you. It's that my brain didn't fucking work and didn't decide to store that in my memory bank. 
Um, or like if I cancel and I can't go, it's not because I'm being a dick. It's because I'm sick, you know? Um, so yeah, communication with others and being able to like know my body better has been so cool. But, and like you said, like, are there new treatments and stuff? I don't fucking know. I just saw, I just now saw my first specialist and like, she just did tests that are all negative. So I'm like, great. (laughs) So I haven't really done anything yet. So we'll see. So it's almost like you're another, a new phase of the story has just begun, essentially. Because mm-hmm. now you have the diagnosis. Now it's like, well, where do we go from there? Yeah. And I've had a heart... I've had... I have two heart conditions and a vascular condition my whole life. And I've never seen a cardiologist. And I'm wow. still on a waiting list to see one. And I'm like, that's interesting. <laughs> it's so crazy, too. Like, there, there's so many people that have died of EDS and never knew they had EDS. Because they, like, die of something that EDS caused, and so that's what's in the paper. That's what's, like, documented. And it's like, we don't even, we don't even know. No, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, that, oh, it, it, it really pains me how uninformed the medical community here is and how unorganized. I mean, we go off on another topic about mm-hmm. that politically, like, how... Are. Well, we need more disabled people in medical school. Yeah. And medical schools are not accessible. Hospitals are barely accessible. It's so ridiculous. Hospitals are barely clean. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunate. I mean, oh, goodness. Like doctors, yeah. so many doctor's offices don't even have ramps for a wheelchair. Like, what? who the fuck do you think you're treating? What? The, what is going on? So, yeah. And, like, you know, doctors are fucking not treated well in medical school. Like, they're not. They're, like... Oh, you're only allowed to have one hour of sleep a night. It's totally fine. You know? And it's like, disabled people can't do that. Right. So that means it's not accessible. Also, that's not healthy for anyone, no, even if they're not. able to. Like, what the hell? How much, how much information are you actually going to retain on yeah. that amount of sleep? That's scary. That's, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we need more disabled people in the medical field. Yeah, we just need more diversity in the medical field in general. Period. Okay. I'm ready to do my... I think I told you, I like to do this part of the podcast where kind of like flash questions, just to kind of keep Quick ones. I'm Quick so ones. bad at this, but I'm ready. <laughs> All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start easy. Where were you born? Um, so on the border of Texas and Louisiana. Okay. Earliest memory. Um, I was holding a thermometer cap and I was opening it and, ca- and laughing my ass off because I thought it was really funny noise. <laughs> My daughter does that. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's so she cute. thinks it's so funny. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's your first memory. Um, favorite book? Oh, God. I have no idea, but I'm reading um, um, The Game of Desire by Shannon Budrum right now. Okay. Favorite quote? No fucking clue. What? I think that I? should be it, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no idea. Well, I if I had to choose a quote for you, <laughs> I think it would be the whole thing about pussy eating pussy being art. Pussy eating is art. My favorite quote is something I said, so <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> um, okay, uh, first kiss. Um, oh God, what counts? Um, my first. My first time I ever like put my face to, to someone else's, it was a boy that used to like drive me home from church and we kissed and I did this. I like put my lips inside my mouth and kissed him. And I was like, that was my secret, like lesbianism, like not letting me, like, not no. letting it happen. <laughs> what the hell? 
Um, one thing you've always wanted to learn to do. Ugh. Speak another language. A particular one? Oh God, I don't know. I think I think Spanish. I would love to speak Spanish. I try. I like learned a little bit as a kid and then never continued it. And I wish I could speak another language. Where do you see yourself in ten years? Um. Oh God, the world is ending in the, around then. You know what I mean? Global warming is really coming for us. Um, hopefully, living somewhere that's cool. I'm down for that. And writing some books. I would love to just fucking write books. That'd be so great. I've I've Googled this week so many times, like, where to live during global warming apocalypse? Oh, my God. Like, where to move? What did it say? Um, Greenland, because they will have access to water because they have a bunch of ice or something. I don't know. There's a bunch of... People have a bunch of theories about where you should move. Shit. Yeah. I need to start Googling that, too. Where should I emigrate to? We were going to retire in Palm Springs, but I don't think that's going to be a good idea anymore. Yikes. <laughs> I think we might turn into dust <laughs> we do that. Oh, I know. I was just looking at, like, houses for sale in Joshua Tree. I was like, that's a terrible idea. Yeah. What are you doing? No, no, no. It's cheap. The, it's so the real cheap. estate is cheap. It's very tempting. Uh-huh. But it's like, eh, and then, like, 20 years from now, it might be very unlivable. I'm like, a house for $50,000? Love that! Sign no, me up! No, there's nothing but dust there. <laughs> dust in music festivals. Yeah. That's it. Well, thank you so much for coming today. This was so great. Thanks this for talk. having me. Oh, I love this. I love this. Yay! Um, okay, I want you to list all your shiznit, where people can find you, where people can watch your videos. And, oh, I forgot to, what are you doing next? Were you shooting a movie? I just, I'm screening it. It's done now. Um, it is, the screening is at the LAGBT Center on September 27th. Um, and it is a bunch of snapshots of all the times I became homeless as a teenager. So I, I basically reenacted like 30 to 45 seconds of the moments right before I became homeless. Oh, wow. Um, to kind of like show all of the different reasons you can become homeless because people only think there's like two. Either you're yeah. a drug addict or you didn't work hard enough right. or whatever the fuck. Oh. Um, yeah, I just wanted to make something. And I was like, I'm, I just got to get this out of the way before I can like make, you know, fiction narrative yeah. type stuff. And I really want to do that. So oh, I love it's it. It's my first thing. I can't believe I wrote it. I'm not a writer. What the fuck? You know what? It's interesting. You, like, I write also. We're not writers in that traditional sense, but, like, watching your YouTube, you know how to generate a story. You know you you have a sense of structure and a sense of narrative and trajectory, which are really all things, really, that's all you need in a story. So, in that sense, you are a writer. Awesome. Fucking writer. And you created something. So, yeah, it's already I'm out there. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> That's awesome. What the fuck? <laughs> you gotta come. Yeah. Be screening. It's September 27th. What day is that? That's it's a Friday. A, I think it's a Friday. Yeah. Okay, I might be able to come. Will that also be online? Yes. Okay. Yep, in October. Awesome. It's called Weenie. Weenie. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna post that in the show notes. And then your other, you can find uh, Stevie on YouTube your YouTube uh, channel is um, youtube.com slash Stevie. Okay. And then your inst- on Instagram and Twitter, you are Stevie Bobby. 
which is spelled weird. But you could just Google like Stevie Lesbian and find all my shit. <laughs> I love it. That's <laughs> just Google Stevie Lesbian. There's no other Stevie that's a famous lesbian. <laughs> this is the one. I'm not Stevie Wonder. I'm not Stevie Next. I'm the other one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Um. <laughs> okay. First off, I got to say about this shiznit, I have never, ever, ever used that word in my entire life. And when uh, Brett, my husband, when he was editing this, he he took off his headphones at one point and he was like, uh, shiznit. And then when I heard this conversation again, I was like, why did I say that? It was just I don't know what I was doing, y'all. I don't know. I that that word is not in my vocabulary. But you know what? I said it again. Now I think that was a part of my nervousness <laughs> coming out. Um, it is what it is, isn't it? But I I really hope you guys enjoyed this interview. I learned so so much about not only sex but also my sexuality, also this disease, which I'm gonna pronounce it wrong again. I'm sorry, you guys. Ellers Danlos, EDS. I'm just going to say EDS because that is easier and I don't want to mess up the name. I feel really bad. But yeah, learning so much about both of those subjects, learning more about Stevie. The short that she mentioned, Weenie, it is actually up on YouTube right now because I wasn't able to make it to the, uh, the screening that she so graciously invited me to. I didn't have babysitting. Sorry, Stevie. But I checked it out on YouTube. It is fantastic. It's sweet. I think you should definitely check it out. I'll put it in the show notes as well as all of her information. Like Stevie said, you can find her on Instagram and on Twitter at Stevie Bobby. She has a couple of YouTube pages. I will link to her main one, which has all of the fabulous videos that we discussed. Um, Yeah, this was great. I... What am I going to do with the rest of my summer? Oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do interviews for season two. You guys, uh, season two will be coming out in September, September-ish, because I don't have an exact date yet, but stay tuned. In the meantime, keep in touch with me on my Instagram at Saudi Rashid, on the podcast Instagram at that one blank friend. Find me on Twitter at both Saudi Rashid or that one blank FR1. And you know what? Thank you guys. Thank you guys so much for the feedback I've been getting from friends and family and other people that haven't become my friends yet, but you will just about this podcast and just really you guys are giving me just the energy. I feed off that energy. You're giving me the energy to keep going. And I really appreciate it. I really appreciate that love. I take it in. I absorb it. I feel it. And I appreciate it. So this is it, guys. Until a couple of months, please stay safe, stay active, stay proactive in mind, body and spirit. And um, did I say stay safe? Because yeah, we don't know what this Corona the Rona, as they call it in the streets. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. So y'all stay safe. Okay. All right. Bye.